It's time to talk that talk, and we talk it like no one else. This is the stinking truth. Now, here's your host, Mark Schlereth. Hey guys, welcome in to Leftovers Podcast from uh, my game. I am Mark Schler, the Mike Evans. Please make sure you like the button, send us your comments, uh, subscribe. Make sure you subscribe. But we do this every week. I take all the things uh, from my boards. So all the things from my boards, from the games that I did last week, um, all the notes. You can see all the notes, all the film study. Uh, I do everything on these little envelopes, and uh, it's kind of a mess, a wreck. But anyhow, all the stuff um, from meeting with the coaches, meeting with the players, and uh, all the things we didn't get to in the broadcast, and we basically regurgitate them right here on the Leftovers podcast. Mike, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great. It was uh, a 16-13 game, Oof. but yeah. was it uh, what, what stood out about what made it a compelling game to you? Well... I think there's a, I think there's a couple of things. Um, defensively, both these teams are exceptionally stout, and even when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were giving up plays, man, they are flying around trying to make a play. Now, you know, Todd Bowles, their head coach, also calls their plays defensively. Uh, he told me in this game, going into this game, listen, we play so much better when we're chaotic, when we're playing man to man, and we're fast. Like, we just play better. Um, where we get ourselves in trouble is where we're playing zone and we're trying to play a little bit softer. So, um, you know, that was kind of their mantra going into this thing. And they did. They created three turnovers in the red zone. This should have been a blowout. This should have been an Atlanta Falcons blowout. But Desmond Ritter fumbled the snap on the goal line. He, uh, he also had a sack strip fumble. Um, going in, approaching the red zone at the end of the first half, and then he had another fumble as he was crossing the goal line. Antoine Winfield flying across the field, bam, taps the ball out, and uh, it fumbles it out of bounds, and it goes the other way. So this was a this was a game where Atlanta should have been handily in control, and I think I think the big thing in Atlanta right now is people are saying, is Desmond Ritter the right guy. And it's so funny because Arthur Smith in our production meeting went off and said, it's disrespectful. It's rude. And it's essentially, and I'm paraphrasing idiotic, what people are saying about Desmond Ritter. He's played 10 games. He's throwing the ball exceptionally well. I mean, he's throwing it really well. And um, yeah, he's had a couple of, of picks. He hasn't played that many games. And this is part of the growth process. The other thing is, last year we ran the ball at about a 55% clip. This year we're running at about a 44% clip. Why? Because we have more weapons. We went out and traded for Janu Smith. We, uh, you know, um, Kyle Pitts is healthy right now. We just went out and tried to trade, or we just went out and made a trade for Van Jefferson. Um, you know, we've got Drake London who can play. Like, we went out and got Bajon Robinson. Like, we've got a lot of weapons, and we're transitioning from this heavy run, beat you up. Like, we can do that. I know how to run the ball on heavy boxes and all that kind of stuff. We're trying to expand our offense, and this is part of the growth process. And, you know, of course, no fan 
wants to be patient, right? Nobody wants to hear patience, patience. He's young, patience. But Arthur's like, hey, man, the guy throws the ball. He's made a bunch of throws. He throws the ball exceptionally well. He's a leader. And I quote, he's tough as shit. So, like, I appreciate him in that. So that's kind of where the Atlanta Falcons are, and there's going to be some growth issues there. But you're in a very winnable division, and right now you know what you're in? First place in that division. Yeah, but you didn't really answer your question. What was my and question? Arthur Smith, Smith didn't really answer the question either. Is he the guy? And you're pretty good. You're pretty good mm-hmm. at being able to look at a young quarterback pretty early on and kind of have an inkling one way or another if, if this guy is legit. So let me press you. Yeah. Esmond Ritter, what you got tell you? Um, that's a great question. My gut tells me that, that Des, like my gut tells me that Des has all the intangibles to be the guy. Does he, the, does, is he, are they, and is he able to elevate the tangibles? The intangibles are there. He is tough. He is smart. Like he has leadership qualities. He has all those things. One of the things, so there's two things that I think as I talk to Des, um, as I talk to Des and as I, I talk to Arthur on the offensive side of the ball, there's two things that I think really need to be worked on. One is you cannot fall in love with your four-seam fastball. Mm. Like every throw feels the same to me. It's let me let this damn thing eat. And sometimes you got to layer a throw, and he missed a touchdown throw to Drake London in the corner of the end zone. And it's it's a classic, you know, fade. If I'm even, throw it to the back pylon with some loft to my six foot four, six foot five receiver and let him go up over the shorter cornerback and get it. Or if the guy stays leveraged on top, just let just throw a seed to the back shoulder and stop my receiver and make him turn around. Instead, he throws a seed to the front shoulder that's not into the back pylon and the DB can make a play on the ball. That's an execution issue from a quarterback who saw something, got excited, and just said, I'm going to let it eat. And, and that, has to be, that has to be figured out. The other thing I think that is so interesting to me, and I'm getting more and more of this as, as I kind of watch these young quarterbacks, is the, the timing of progressions all has to do with your feet. And when you've been in shotgun your whole life and you've never been under center or you haven't been under center very much, there's a real learning curve. That's, I think, one of the steepest learning curves for these guys is the timing of their feet have to time up with the route and the route combinations. And if they don't have the right steps and if they're not precise with those steps, they're always a little bit late. And when you're a little bit late, that also leads to you just trying to let it eat, right? It's just like, oh, my God, I'm late. I can feel that I'm late. So now it's like. Ah, I got to throw a fastball. And those are the things that I think Dez has to grow in, you know, and, and yeah, he like anticipate without predetermining. There's a big difference. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes he just predetermines. So without putting, I know we're putting a lot of pressure on, 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 on Dez here, but is Atlanta, you look at a lot of teams around the league, their roster, their roster 
like top half of the league? Is their oh. roster that good? Yeah, their roster is. I think their roster. I think they've got two tight ends that can really play. I think Janu Smith is a really good player. Mm-hmm. And he's an all-around player. I think Kyle Pitts is a tight end that plays split. Right. He's really an X receiver or he's a slot receiver. That's really what he does well. But all of a sudden, he's getting healthy. He's he, like you can see him gaining in health and gaining in confidence as he, you know, as he as he gets healthier. And the last couple of weeks, he's been really a, a dominant figure catching the football. Um, Bajon, now there's a lot of fantasy players out yeah. there that are pissed. Yeah, uh, we didn't know either. Like we had no idea. He didn't really. I think he touched the ball one time. Um, the report was he wasn't feeling well. I didn't know. We look. We didn't get any report. We didn't get any word. And I'm sure the NFL will investigate that. Um, so we'll see exactly what comes out. I mean, maybe he got six Saturday night. I don't know. Um, you know, possible that that happened. So um, that could be the deal. But he did not play. But yeah, you look at them. I think Drake London's really talented. I think you know. I think they've got some speed and athleticism and. Yeah, they've got they've got and they've got an offensive line. They know how to run the ball. Yeah. They know how to physically wear you out. Um, defensively, Al, yeah, Algier. Now defensively, they're really they're, defensively. That's where the, there's only one thing to me that's lacking with the Atlanta Falcons, and that's having a true edge presence, like a true edge rusher. So when you look at them, you've got Onyemata at the defensive tackle. That guy, a defensive end. That guy is a full-grown-ass man. I mean, he is um, and a great story, Mike. You know, he walked on at, like, uh, Manitoba or some Canadian school. What what was it? Uh, let me see where he um, – yeah, Manitoba. He, Manitoba. Some school in Canada. They play Canadian football. They don't play, you know, American football. They play Canadian football. Yeah. And he's just bored. To the university, going to school. I think I'll just walk on. It's the first year. He was there. He did nothing but get in a stance. They're like, we're just going to teach you the stance this year. <laughs> That's all. Like, just, you know what? You're not ready. Just get in a stance. Just get in a stance. The dude is powerful at the point. Grady Jarrett is an unbelievable player, uh, super powerful, super athletic. Um, Calais Campbell, so long. They don't have an edge guy. And it's much easier to find double teams inside between centers and guards and guards and, and, and tackles and all that than it is from an outside position where you're using a tight end or you're using a back to help double team in many different you know scenarios. So that's, that's that. Um, Linebacker-wise, I think they're pretty decent. A uh, couple of hammerheads in there. Uh, Caden Ellis, Idaho. So, you know, I mean, you know he's good. And uh, and they got two corners that can cover. Like, they're, they got two corners. Now, they gave up a bunch of penalties last uh, yesterday. But here's one of the things I took away from them. They had all these penalties. A.J. Terrell had a penalties. Uh, Jeff Akuda had some penalties. You know, pass interference, holding, and all that kind of stuff. Never lost their aggressiveness. They went into it saying, we're not going to give up a free release to Mike Evans or Chris Godwin. We're just not. And they beat him up off the line of scrimmage. And, you know, the, it was went both ways because – Mike Evans is a beast, just an absolute beast. But not you, Mike Evans. Okay, you a little bit, Mike Evans. You a little bit, Mike Evans. Um, but I was going to say, we need a bra for those titties. So, um, but Mike Evans is, is an absolute beast, and there was a battle there was a battle going on. Are you lactating? Um, anyhow, so, uh, but I love, I love. Look at you. Your nips are always hard. 
hundred percent of the time. <laughs> Cut time is. Yeah, I don't know what it is. It's a it's a sickness. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's just been that way. But okay, so Tampa, they're three and one. Mm-hmm. Last two games, they've lost two games at home, and they've scored a, a grand total of nineteen points. Right. They're, they're, yeah, they they so what they were if, three and two going in that game, so they're three and three now. Yeah, they're three and one at one point. They yeah, lost yeah, the yeah. last two, and the offense has really struggled. So, what what's happening from from your vantage point? Is is there a book out on Baker Mayfield in this offense, and yeah. what is that book? Um, the book the book is with them is they flat can't run the ball. Now you look at them. The only guy that's returning to his natural position is Robert Hainsley, their center, and Tristan Wirfs went from right tackle to left tackle, and he was so freaked out about it. Um, and I think I can use that. I'm not trying to be I'm insensitive. That he went out and got you know a help from a sports psychologist because he was he was struggling right it's it's just such a hard transition and he's playing pretty good football right now he's a an absolute beast but that's those are, that's real stuff like that's real like you know real issues and and so and I've done that man I moved from six years at right guard to to moving over to left guard and it it I mean it got. It was hard. I, I really struggled. And I was talking to their old line coach on the sideline before the game, and he says to me, hey, listen, we're talking about it. And I go, I made that transition. And I go, you know what saved me, like, where, where I finally got to the point where I was like, okay, I'm not worried anymore? I went back and looked at Bruce Matthews' film, and I looked at Steve Wisniewski's film, two guys that were really good players. You know, Bruce Matthews one of the best that's ever played the game. And – um both of those guys played left guard out of a right-handed stance. And when I saw that, I was like, then what am I so concerned about? Because ultimately, if if I'm playing right guard and I have a two-eye technique, a defensive tackle on my inside shade, that's no different to playing left guard with a three technique. And you got to play it that way out of a right-handed stance. So I said, what the hell do I care? I'm just going to play it this way. And once I once I was able to kind of come to grips with that, then I was then I was fine. So you got a rookie at the right guard position who's really learning. Um, you got a guy that played left guard last year and Luke Gedeke that moved out to right tackle, but th- they're just not running the ball. And it's not just the offensive line. I think the backs are having a really tough time with entry points and tracks. So you know, it's like trying to jump back into the back, uh, trying to jump back or cut back way too soon, not pressing the hole. Sometimes that hole is ugly, but it's blocked. And if you just stick your nose in there, you're going to get four or five yards. Instead, you jump back in and, and you get a one-yard gain. Um, you know, it's one of those things that uh, every meal is not a banquet. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just got to nibble. Sometimes you just eat hors d'oeuvres. Um, you got to know when it's just time to eat hors d'oeuvres. So last question, this goes out to the fans of both teams here. You've seen Atlanta, you've seen Tampa, you've seen New Orleans all recently. Mm-hmm. Who wins this division? I think Atlanta has the best chance to win this division. Um, obviously, they got to eliminate the turnovers, but I think you look at their complementary nature between offense and defense and special teams, um, what they have right now, Ryan Nielsen, their defense coordinator, doing a phenomenal job, aggressiveness, um, doing a phenomenal job with this defense. I think they have the opportunity. If Again, they got to stop turning the ball over. 
six turnovers by their quarterback in the last two games, right? Three interceptions followed by three fumbles lost. Um, if they don't do that, they're they're blowing they're blowing Tampa Bay out a- in Tampa. So I think it's Atlanta. I really do. I, there's something wrong offensively with New Orleans um, and Derek Carr. It just doesn't feel right to me. Um, Atlanta's got the best chance. I, I believe Atlanta will win this division. If healthy, Atlanta wins the division. All right. That's it? That's it? You're done? Oh, man, you're, you're an intimidated Gus. Let me tell you right now. You're one hot, one hot guy. Uh, anyhow, hey, listen, for everybody, that's the Leftover Show. For everybody involved in the Stink of Truth podcast, we thank you guys so much. Appreciate you, Tampa. Appreciate you, Atlanta. Um, and uh, and please subscribe to the podcast. Like it. Send us a comment. We'll uh, get back to you on that as well. So for everybody involved, thank you so much, and we'll be back with you later on in the week.